it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk with you all the way till 11 o'clock today. The phone line is open, 356-9397. With Mr. Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. A lot to talk about. Football. A lot. A lot to talk about. Basketball later on the air this afternoon against Maryland. Big Ten opener on the road. More on that coming up. A couple of guests to talk about that along the way. The Big Ten championship football game is tonight. Other football news is looking more and more like the Red Box Bowl for the the uh, Fighting Illini. Out, uh, that game is December 30th. It's not official. won't be until tomorrow. But that's the way it looks. 90%? 95%? I'd say. <laughs> and uh, the, the opponent likely to be Cal. Well, that's a good place to go to play football, I think. I mean, West Coast, it's warmer out there. And San Francisco area, that's that's good. Really, there are a lot of Illini alumni out in that area. Nice stadium, the Levi Stadium, where the 49ers play. Again, that won't be official until tomorrow. All the uh, bowl assignments after today's championship games. There was one conference championship game last night, and the uh, Pac-12 played in that very stadium, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, and uh, number 14 Oregon beat Utah 37 to 15. Did you? Uh, have a chance to see much of that yeah, game? I did, and, and I was amazed at some of those breakaway runs right up the middle. It, it looked like there was no safeties back there for uh, uh, for Utah, and Oregon just ran it right down their throat. I don't know what the statistics were. I didn't stay up for that, but uh, but it was uh, it was a route at the end, and and uh, the, their ability to control the ball when they had the lead and and uh, and run the football, and make those two long runs late that uh, just put the game away, and so that ends any possibility of Utah even thinking about the Final Four, and and it's uh, it's too bad because uh, they had a nice season, but Oregon just took it to them. Some other uh, conference championship games today of note in the Big Ten. It's number one, Ohio State, against number 12, Wisconsin. That is in Indianapolis tonight at 7. In the uh, Big 12, it's Baylor and Oklahoma in a rematch. That game at 11 o'clock today in Arlington, Texas. In the SEC, it's number four, Georgia against number two, LSU, a 3 o'clock game in Atlanta. And Virginia takes on number three, Clemson, for the ACC title tonight at 6.30 in Charlotte. Well, you know a little bit about Ohio State, uh, Steve, and, and this is one of those games where they've won 10 out of 11 against Wisconsin. Most of the games have been lopsided. In 2014, I believe it was, they beat them 59 to nothing in Indianapolis. That's just yeah. five years ago. This season, they beat them 38 to 7, so... This is a dominant Ohio State team, which is be better at most, nearly all the positions, much faster, much stronger defensively. And, you know, they held uh, Taylor to 50 yard, 52 yards in, in, the, in the first meeting this season and 20 carries. At the same time, Dobbins, for the same 20 carries, had like 162, 163 yards. I just think that uh, it would be a shocking upset if Wisconsin beat uh, 
Ohio State. Ohio State's just too good at too many positions. I don't think Taylor has been under 200 yards since that game. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> he, right. But he's really been hot. You know, yeah, he's been hot. But wh- where are the games decided, Steve? Yeah. Where, where are they decided? They're decided up front. We know that. And it's, it's, it isn't that Dobbins is a better runner than Taylor necessarily at all. It's just that he's running behind a real tough li- a line that's creating openings. And, and uh, Taylor, based on the first game against uh, Ohio State, couldn't find any, uh, any openings. I think his longest run was 14 yards, and he had a total of, of about 52. So that game coming up tonight in Indianapolis. Some other uh, news uh, notes. Volleyball last night, NCAA tournament. Six of the seven Big Ten teams in the NCAA tournament won, but the one that didn't didn't was Illinois, and they lost three to two to Utah. All of the first four sets were all defi- decided by by two uh, points. And then Illinois was close all year, like this, Steve, they were, weren't they? They lost. I looked it up. They lost. They were three and five in five set matches, but they lost their last four. Uh huh. Yeah, the the wins were much earlier. And, and it's a team that, of course, now loses Jackie Quaid, who's just a tremendous player. Uh, and she's the Illinois' best. And you wonder, with the Big Ten winning six out of seven matches yesterday, uh, all, the t- all the teams that got in except Illinois won, how does, you know, what's the future mean for Illinois in volleyball? Because it isn't that they don't have a good team. they got a good coach in Thomas. they got a good, good players. But... Some of your very, very best teams in the country are right here in the Big Ten, and I don't, I don't know how you crawl over them without some super, super recruiting. Nebraska, Michigan, Purdue, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Minnesota all posted victories last night, and when you look at it, are heavy favorites to do it again tonight. You know, I don't know. I, I tried to pay attention, and I don't think any of those matches went beyond three sets. I don't think so. You're all right. six teams yep. won, and some of the scores were really lopsided, so... Of course, these are first-round games with 64 teams involved. So, uh, naturally, uh, if you're favored, you know, you expect to win by a big margin. But this was striking how they just dominated. So, Illinois Volleyball ends up 16-14, and 14, and that Big Ten mark was 11-9. and nine. Their season is over. Yeah, one, just, just one year after finishing in the Final Four. Yep. Won a game last night to get the Big Ten men's basketball season underway. This reminded me of a game back in the Harry Combs days, back when they used to run and gun and get off all those shots a game. It was 103-91, to 91, Michigan over Iowa. Yeah, and Michigan just decided since they were scoring so freely just to, to, to guard, uh, basically let Teske guard uh, the big guy. Uh, Garza. Garza, and Teske got in foul trouble. Garza drew 11 fouls in the game. In addition to scoring 44 points, he drew 11 personal fouls against him. And uh, he, he's just, uh, I don't know why Michigan didn't try to double-team him, but they just figured that they couldn't beat him with twos, that they were scoring at such a rate. They had about a 10, 12-point lead most of the game, and, and it just stayed there. Uh, Michigan shot 55% uh, and had six guys in double figures. It was, it was a striking game in the balance on one side and the imbalance on Iowa's side. And as, as is so often the case, Iowa's defense just did them in. They just don't guard. I mean, these guys are shooting open jumpers. Garza scored 44, as you mentioned. He also had eight rebounds. He was 17 for 32 from the field. I think he took three three-pointers, didn't make yeah. any of those. But, uh, you don't think he made one? I, no, thought I think he, he was over three. On okay. I thought, well, I saw him hit one from outside, but that, he might have had his feet on the line. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'll look it up. But, uh, no, that's okay. I, I just, I, I, he just had a terrific game, and he's, 
you know he went into the game as the only player in the five major conferences, I think this is right, that was averaging 20 points and 10 rebounds. And uh, in other words, he, he was playing really well going into this game, and they just didn't do much in an attempt to stop him. He just scored r- relentlessly, and I don't know what this means when Michigan plays Illinois on Wednesday, Steve. <laughs> but it's a job for Kofi, and I don't know if Kofi can handle this, but uh, – I'm mixed up. Excuse me. Yeah. He's with Iowa. But he's going to have, <laughs> we play going to have his hands full yeah. anyway. With Teske, that's yeah. right. We don't play Michigan until uh, – I mean, we don't play uh, Iowa until later. But we got Michigan coming up, and, and they did it with all balance. Eli Brooks is a guy I didn't know much about. He's been on the ball club for several years. He scored 16 points last night, and Wagner's brother had team high 18. What's going on? <laughs> is he that good? I, I don't think he's that uh, near as good as his brother, but they just threw the ball around and everybody shot open shots. Well, you mentioned six guys in double figures and 18 was the high. Yeah. So they had great balance there. Yeah, yeah. Brad Underwood had a comment yesterday. We'll hear some comments from the coach uh, coming up here on the uh, show, but he had a comment. He, he, he'd like to have five guys averaging double figures, which he does have at the moment, rather than one guy averaging 30 in the uh, you know, being the obvious guy, you'd have to stop to beat a team. So he, he would his like problems are on the other end. Yeah, I know. And and he he said that to us, Steve, uh, afterwards and during the press conference and after the press conference. I mean, he is really concerned because guys aren't making, aren't reacting properly defensively. The pick and roll requires switches. When you switch, you have to do it decisively. You have to do it quickly. You have to make sure everybody is knows what everybody got to know what the other guy's doing. And we didn't see that in the Miami game when they got behind by 27 points and gave up 50 points in the first half. Yep, and to be behind 27 on your home floor on national TV at the under four-minute timeout in the first half, that's yeah, that's it, tough to come back from, and yet they almost did it. Yeah, well, they had a chance. They had the ball and one point down. One point down with the ball with 20 seconds to go, 15 seconds to go, clock counting down, and then – wind up with a charge uh, against Io, and Io's had that kind of a season so far where it's just he's just this close to being a really, really, really top player, but he's he hasn't quite met it yet. Well, they wouldn't have made that comeback without him. No, he, no. He had some key That's shots right. there. and He did. But I think everybody in the arena, though, knew what was going to happen there in the final seconds when he had the ball, and it turned out that Georgie was a little late coming out to uh, to set a screen there. And then Io just took it in, inside on two guys and got yep. the charge. And guess who drew the charge? Yeah, the little guy, Likes. Likes. <laughs> I like Likes. I do, too. They, and as you know, because you sit right next to me and the Orange Crush was right behind, they were on Likes all night. And I almost wanted to tell them maybe they need to pick a different guy. Yeah, I know. he's lighting he, you up. Well, he's short. You're yeah, short, short, short. Well, of course, <laughs> he's five foot seven, but he scored 28 points in 28 minutes, which uh, the only reason Illinois – and I can make this statement pretty sure I'm right. The only reason Illinois got back in that game was he was sitting on the bench. Yeah. Because when he was in there, they could not stop them. Could not guard him. Um, you know. If he hadn't set out 11 minutes on the, in the second half, <laughs> I don't think Illinois would have come close. They couldn't keep up with him. They could only hope that <laughs> once he got by him that he'd miss the shot. But uh, yeah. he, he wasn't missing many shots. And he set up some other guys, yes, too. He, had, he got a couple of pretty good uh, shooters uh, along with him. Our guest lineup today, we're going to talk to Johnny Holliday. He's the radio voice of the Maryland Terrapins. We'll do that here coming up shortly. Doug Altenberger is going to work the game with Brian Barnhart this afternoon on the Fighting Illini Sports Network, Learfield IMG College. 
We'll check in with Doug about 9.30 or so. At uh, the beginning of the second hour, Dan Dockage from ESPN. He worked the Miami game here at the State Farm Center. He's working today's game as well. Yeah, and he worked the Purdue game the other day, too. He's uh, So he's all over the place. So he's seen some Big Ten teams. We'll get his take on not only today's game, which gets underway at 4 o'clock, Illinois and Maryland, but we'll talk Big Ten as well. We'll hear from Brad Underwood, maybe a player or two from the Illini. And then about 10.30, we're going to talk to Phil Bova. You remember that name, I'm sure, a former oh, yeah. Big Ten basketball official, now living, well, he probably already always has lived in Ohio, but uh, he has retired, but he has turned author. He wrote a book called Throw, Throwing Back the Chair. You can kind of figure out what that's about. <laughs> it's about his life in uh, Big Ten basketball officiating, but it centers on the Bob Knight incident. He worked that game. He also worked the Andy Kaufman shot game here at the Assembly Hall back in 1993. So those are the scheduled guests. We've got plenty of time for an open line as well. 356-9397 is the number one of the football note. Um, some guys making official visits this weekend and Illinois out trying to, to fill some scholarships. What are you hearing? What do you think the number is going to be? Well, I, I don't know because I don't know how many players are going to leave. Right now, he's talking about maybe 14 high school players. But as of right now, the, the, I think the key thing is that they're recruiting some guys who are committed elsewhere. I know uh, Wiggles, uh, defensive tackle, defensive end, has committed to Georgia Tech. He's from Clearwater, Florida. He's uh, interested in Illinois now. You've got uh, Levelson, uh, another defensive lineman from Tyler, Texas. He's a JUCO. He's uh, interested in Illinois. I know that uh, there's another defensive lineman from that's committed to Maryland by the name of Newton, Jurgen Newton. The interesting thing about these guys is that uh, uh, early commitments don't seem to make much difference. I mean, if you're still visiting, that means that that commitment, the previous commitment doesn't mean anything, although they do have uh, guarantees of scholarships elsewhere. But Illinois is in desperate need at defensive tackle. I mean, like desperate, because they lose about five guys off the, off the team from this past year, that some of whom had a pretty good season. I thought Jackson played pretty well. Milan had a good year. Uh, I thought uh, Oliver had his best year. And I thought that uh, Oladipo could have been a player, but obviously he was uh, suspended and he's lost. So I count, uh, I count four definite losses there, plus Chabonio, was, uh, who played defensive end, uh, was went through the senior ceremonies, which would indicate to me he's not coming back. I mean, he could come back. He's he could ha- he could get a fifth year, and of course we always look back to the Roundtree situation, which thinned out the defensive line. And but it's mostly tackle, and uh, the Illini are going to have to take some ends. They're going to have to take some guys that have played defensive end and move them to tackle next year if they expect to have any depth at all. Because the only two guys that I see uh, that are really Top-level players, based on what I saw this season, was Avery, who finished the season pretty strong, and Woods, who was injured. Those two guys are, are the only tackles that I see. Batuco is going to be an end. Gay and, Sir, uh, and Carney are going to be ends, and I'm not sure where Randolph will fit in. He's a freshman who is, looks like a really good prospect, but he's in the 250 range, I believe, uh, uh, size-wise. I don't know if he can play. Steven, if you don't weigh 270 these days, 280, if you're not up to even, even 290 – at defensive end, you're being outweighed by the offensive line by 30, 40 pounds. Speaking of guys who could come back, this is a different position now, of course, but we know that Dre Brown is considering 
his options and said he would make his decision at the appropriate time. The question is, what's the appropriate time? Well, the levy wants him to decide by Wednesday of this coming week. So that's going to be interesting to see what he does because I don't know, I don't think he's ready to make a decision. I mean, I think he wants to think about it and maybe get done with this semester, you know, and, and go into the next semester and, and be thinking about what he wants to do and and, and maybe uh, decide about spring practice later. I don't know. But I do know that Lovey is uh, all of a sudden seems to be caught up in scholarship numbers, not because we only know about nine right now, but I think he's got some other commitments that we don't know about. And I think that he must feel like he needs to have a decision. But, Steve, what's, what's that running back situation look like next year uh, as, you, as you anticipate Eckstein returning? What, what? Well, you've got Epstein maybe coming back, and uh, you hope he does, but you don't know how he's going to be. Right, this will be his final year, I guess. Yep. You got Rayvon Bonner. Mm-hmm. He's kind of an inside guy. Yeah. And then and you got several uh, young guys that haven't had a chance to play. Right. Yet. But they don't have anybody right now that we look at as a really top right. running back. Although, I, I'm in, in Epstein's look, Epstein has been the starter on two occasions since he's been here. Mm-hmm. I mean, they thought he was the number one running back twice. As it turned out, uh, Corbin was last year and as we saw this year Corbin didn't have near the year this year and Dre Brown had a better year and was actually MVP of the, of the offensive side so I I just you know I don't know why the pressure is being put on so strongly for for him to make a decision Dre Brown to make a decision at this point it would be his sixth year Steve I can understand why he might not want to come back and I would have to also throw in here Lovey might know an awful lot that we don't. I mean, obviously knows an awful lot that we don't about what his numbers are and how he's had two meetings with uh, with Dre that I know of, two, just two sit-downs with him. So he he knows pretty much what Dre's thinking, and I'm, Dre's probably let him know pretty much. I just don't think that uh, Dre's quite ready to make the decision, but maybe Lovey feels like he isn't coming back and wants to get it, out, you know, set it aside. We are off and rolling. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk at 918. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Join us later today for Fighting Illini Men's Basketball in Maryland to take on the Terps. We'll have it for you at 4 o'clock, the start of the Big Ten season. Illini game day at 2.30. That's Brian Barnhart. He is in Maryland getting set for the uh, broadcast this afternoon on the Fighting Illini Sports Network. He'll be working with Doug Altenberger today, former Illini sharpshooter. We're back in Champaign, Lauren Tate, and yours truly, Steve Kelly, on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're going to talk more about that game today, Illinois and Maryland's Terrapins. I'm going to welcome into the program now Johnny Holliday, the voice of Maryland Athletics. Johnny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you and Lauren doing this morning? We are doing well, getting us set for that ball game this afternoon. Tell me about this Maryland team off to a a 9 and 0 start so far what are your thoughts generally on what you've seen i know it's early well i think right now it could probably be uh, categorized as maybe mark turgeon's best team he's had here and he's had a couple of good ones when he was the big 10 coach of the year a couple of years ago and he had guys like Melo Trimble and Des Wells playing but uh, i think the fans that will watch this game and listen to it on your network today will be impressed by how much variety they have of guys who can score and guys who can play defense and it's a, it's a group of kids that last year had so many freshmen 
and all those freshmen came back, and now they're one year older, one year wiser, and it just seems like they blended together so well these first nine games. The trip to Orlando last weekend for Thanksgiving really kind of showed the promise that this team has. They played perhaps their best all-around game against Marquette on Sunday when they won the championship down there, and and uh, Anthony Cowan was MVP of that tournament, NCAA Player of the Week, co-Big Ten Player of the Week. So they've got a whole bunch of different pieces that they can throw at you. But I know they're really concerned about this game today and how big and how athletic Illinois is and how uh, how well they're coached by Coach Underwood. And it's it's going to be a very, very interesting game. They're going to have to play their best, I think, of the, of the year to be able to win this game today. You may have answered my next question with uh, your response to the first question. I, I was going to want to know how different this team is. You know Callen's back, and he's uh, stirring the drink. But uh, you, you touched on uh, the balance and more guys being able to be more effective defensively. Is, is there anything else? Well, I think what's, what's happened now, he's, he's got a bench he can go to. That I don't think this time last year they would have been 9-0 with the team they had last year. They've got some tremendous young freshmen. They've got two, a, tw- a set of twins, Makai Mitchell and Mikkel Mitchell. Uh, I'm, I, sometimes I think I'm talking to Makai, and I might be talking to Mikkel. I'm really not sure. <laughs> but they've got, they've got those two guys, a freshman, Dante Scott, who was the Philadelphia twice. He was the player of the year among city schools in Philadelphia. He's a freshman. They've got a kid named Hakeem Hart, who's also a, a big kid, 6'6 freshman. He's the Catholic League Player of the Year from Philadelphia. And they got another kid that they can bring it off the bench, uh, also a freshman uh, whose name is, uh, I mean, Ricky Linda was a freshman last year. Now he's a sophomore. And they've got, he played 13 or 14 guys down in Orlando, which he shortened his bench a little bit against Notre Dame the other night. But, there's not much of a drop-off when he brings the second group of guys in. They're pretty talented, too. But you had mentioned about Anthony Cowan, and don't forget about Jalen Smith. This kid has been incredible, and he will have a tremendous matchup today against the big inside guys that, that uh, Illinois has. And Jalen is probably playing at the top of his game right now, and he can only get better. He's only a sophomore. He's 6'10". He's put on about 20 pounds, 25 pounds over the summer to be able to handle the physicality of how difficult it is to play in the Big Ten. And then you got guys like Eric Ayala and Aaron Wiggins and, uh, and Daryl Morcel who shut down the nation's leading scorer last week. So there's a lot of different pieces. And I think as Coach Turgeon knows, on any particular game or night, anybody can go off for 20 or 25 points and it doesn't surprise you. When Cowan's the leading scorer one game, Wiggins comes back to the next game. It, it, there's just a variety of different ways he can attack you. You know, uh, Johnny, I, I, I want to talk about defense because I, I looked at that uh, Marquette game and I saw where Howard had 51 points and then he had 40 points and then he goes against Maryland and goes one for 12. And Notre Dame shot 29%. What's happening here defensively? What kind of defense are you using and, and why is it working so well? Well, you know something, Warren, I think he's gone to zone more times this year than I've ever seen him do in the past, and he doesn't like to do a, throw the zone defense at opponents. He's a man-to-man guy, but then they've been able to uh, to play zone when it's necessary, and it's become very, very effective. Uh, when you hold an opposing team to 36% from the field, that's playing some pretty good defense. And I think that's what Mark Turgeon has been noted for in the past. His teams have always been tough 
defensively, he was a tough, tough point guard when he played at Kansas, and I think it's rubbed off on these players. But they got a lot of good help side defense. They've got a tremendous inside presence when you bring one of the Twins guys in. They're both six nine. Then you got Jalen Smith in there at six ten. And it really a surprising factor as far as rebounds has been Aaron Wiggins. He's known for his three-point shooting, but defensively, he's like the second or third leading rebounder on this team. And Daryl Morcell is as tough as they come, even though he's 6'5". He's one of those uh, city kids from Baltimore that is really, really tough. And an example of how, how tough they are is against uh, Marquette. It was about five different guys in this team including Marcel, the toe coach, Sturgeon, I want to guard this kid, Howard, who's supposed to be pretty good. 40 points one game, 51 the next game. I want him. And there were four other guys that said, no, 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 I want him. So I think they're up to the challenge when it comes to defensively showing what they can do. And as you and I both well know, you know, defenses are going to win you games. If you shut down the other team, you're going to be okay. Yeah, I'm sorry you brought that up. I'm sorry I brought it up. Because <laughs> Illinois just, just gave up 50 to Miami in the first half. Uh, Johnny, if I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the sections of the Big Ten as I see them, disregarding Illinois. I see Ohio State, Michigan State, Maryland, and Michigan in the top four. Purdue, Indiana, Penn State, and Iowa maybe in the next four. And then the rest of that league is not as effective as it might be. What, uh, how would you uh, object to what I just said? Well, I, I think you're exactly right, Laura. And I, the thing I, I love about the Big Ten, it's such a challenge uh, to be able to win games, especially what well, we found that out in football. Football has been very, very tough. But basketball, Maryland is a basketball school. They, they compete. And it, it's not just you play Illinois today and you say, well, I'm, I'm glad I, these guys are out of the way. You turn the page, then you got to go to Penn State. Look what! Look how they're playing this year. They're surprising everybody. Ohio State may be the big surprise, I think, of the Big Ten, yeah. especially when you play them there. I mean, they are so good. They're loaded. And you certainly can't forget Tom Izzo at Michigan State. And then Juwan Howard at Michigan. Where did he come from? <laughs> All he's done is take a John Beeline team that he didn't mess around with it, I guess. I mean, just looking at it from afar. And he hasn't changed much. And look how they're winning. So it is, it's going to be a dogfight this year in the conference. Uh, how do you think last year's result at Madison Square Garden, an Illinois upset win, affects this game, if at all? I, I think probably Coach Turgeon and maybe Coach Underwood brings it up maybe once or twice, saying, fellas, remember what happened last year? But that's last year. I mean, you got a whole different group. Of, you got the same guys, but a whole different attitude, I think. Uh, playing up in New York, I think one thing for certain, Illinois surprised us. And Illinois certainly got a lot of people looking at them saying, wow, this, this is a pretty good team. Especially if I recall, Maryland led at one point. I think they were up, what, by 11 points or something yeah. and a half? Yeah. And then Illinois comes back and, uh, uh, you know, just like just like Miami and Illinois, the last game they played, were you down by 19 at one point or 27 by one point? Yeah. 27. So you got, yeah, 27. So I don't, I don't think it's going to have that much of an effect. I'm sure these players remember uh, individually what happened with the sumo, and, and, the, and the, of course they haven't seen Cockburn, so that's going to be a real treat. And then this other big guy, you got Mishana um, Shvili. Uh, I remember him last year from New York. So uh, we'll see. It'll, I think it'll be a tremendous basketball game. Another couple of minutes with Johnny Holiday, the voice of the uh, Terrapins. I want to take you to football for a moment. 
uh, Mike Loxley, yeah, the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren and I uh, became pretty good friends with uh, Mike Loxley when he was in town on the staff here of yeah. Ron Zook. Um, the season got off to uh, maybe it was kind of a fool's gold kind of start with a lot of right. points in, uh, in a couple of games. And then what looked like a pretty good win over Syracuse that as the season went on didn't look as good. But talk a little bit about uh, Lox's first year as head coach there. Well, I love him. I, I love Mike. I love what he what he stands for. I love the vision that he has. And, of course, Coach Zook is down here with him as well uh, as one of his advisors. And as you mentioned, I think it was fool's goal those first two games. I don't think Syracuse was anywhere the number 21 team in the country at that time. And I think that gave people a false hope of security, and this is going to be uh, a tremendous year. In fact, I think after two games, somebody had even picked Maryland to be in a West Coast Bowl game after two games, which is totally ridiculous. But I think the injury situation just decimated the team. You've got guys playing out of position. You lose quarterback after quarterback. You lose your running backs. You lose your – at one point they had both corners out. They had two cornerbacks that were freshmen had to play. And guys are having to play under fire that really weren't ready to play at this level. But I know from Coach Loxley's background, from his other two trips he's had to Maryland, the kind of coach he is, the kind of leader he is, and once he gets his guys here, and once he gets the right guys to, to fit what he wants to do, and Scotty Montgomery, offensive coordinator, what he wants to do, and John Hoke defensively, I think it's going to be fine. I think people understand that. And he admitted to me when the game was over at Michigan State that uh, you know this was not this was not the year he expected. He, he knew it was going to be tough, but not this tough. But if you haven't got a quarterback on a consistent basis, it's this guy one game, this guy another game, and you have to play freshman, it's going to be a long season. But I don't think anybody's given up in the football program. Uh, they, they love Mike Loxley. He really connects with the parents. He really connects with the, with the local high school coaches. They love this guy. And uh, he's patient, but you've got to be able to do it his way. I mean, he's got a philosophy and he's got a format that he wants to install. And you better buy into this program or you're not going to be around next year. And I think there'll probably be some guys that'll leave this program, like every program, when they're not happy, they're not playing, whatever the situation may be. But I think he's going to get the job done. He's perfect, perfect for this for this school. And it, it may take a little time, but he'll get there. Has there, uh, John, is there any lingering disappointment among the fans to be in that, to be in that really difficult Big Ten East as opposed to this conference schedule that you were playing before you came in the Big Ten? Well, I think there's always people, Lauren, that are going to shake their heads saying, how are you going to win yeah. in this division when you have to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State every single year? Yeah. And you're going to, you're, you know, the Rutgers got Shiano back there as the head coach. They're going to be a factor. And it's, it hasn't, it's not easy. I think it's the toughest division of the two. And you know, you just go out there and you, I don't think you can say, woe is me, it's not going to change. Yep. They're not going to be put into a, another division where it's going to be easy for you. It's going to be very, very difficult. So if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, and you got to have players that buy into your program that don't look at the name of the school, they just look as the fact that they're playing another opponent this week. If you If you start getting wrapped up in that Michigan State, 100,000 people at Michigan. Penn State, 103,000 people. It, it'll drive you nuts. You're, you're more worried about the fans than you are about what you have to do as a player. So 
I think initially there was a lot of concern. How are you going to win in this division? Well, now I think people understand you have to have the players. And you want you to get the players? Let's see what happens. Johnny Holiday, we appreciate your time. Always good to talk with you. Thanks. Thank you, Steve. And, Laurie, great to talk to you, too. Thank hey, you. Johnny, have a good game today. All right. Thank you very much. Johnny Holiday, the voice of the Maryland Terrapins. That game this afternoon at 4 o'clock on the Fighting Illini Sports Network. Brian Barnhart, Doug Altenberger on the call. Illinois, we mentioned that win last year at Madison Square Garden where Tevian Jones scored 18 points, and he is available today. He's suiting up. He will be in uniform, so if you're in uniform, there's a pretty good chance you might get in the game. That's right. And Especially I think coming it, back. From the intention is to play him some today, I think, and he missed eight games uh, for academic reasons. And um, now that he's back, that'll add to the bench, which has been a little bit off and on. I think Williams is playing better. I think that there's some consideration maybe even to starting, uh, well, making a change in the starting lineup and maybe moving Griffin in. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen today, but it's something that they're they're talking about. Might be more likely to move Demonte into that, but you think? I I based on he's what done was, it before, right? That's exactly right. He, he does. He doesn't bring the scoring. Uh, he gives you the defense that they don't have and, and rebounding. And although Griffin's a good rebounder too, or yeah. he has been so far. But I want to say something about defense as opposed to offense, and you can have a really good offensive team with three good scores. You've got three really good scores. You can work the ball around, and they do the shooting. But if you're going to play defense, you need five. If you've got one weak player on defense, you've got a weak defense. You have to have all five working together because the other team will take advantage of you if you don't, and that's what happened in that last game. They didn't have five guys playing good defense. More basketball talk coming up. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS continues after this. Join us Monday night for the Illini Men's Basketball Radio Show with head coach Brad Underwood from Papa Dells in Champaign, 7 to 8, right here on DWS. That's Brian Barnhart. He'll be there for that show. He is in College Park, Maryland this afternoon to get set for the Illini-Maryland basketball game. He'll call the play-by-play on the Fighting Illini Sports Network. His partner today, Doug Altenberger, and uh, those guys are at the uh, – Xfinity Arena, Illinois going through a uh, walkthrough this morning. And Doug Altenberger is with us. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. Just uh, took the bus over with Brian, and uh, they're doing their walkthrough right now and uh, going through some uh, going through the scouting report. Well, it looks like the our, our boys are ready to ready for battle uh, in a few hours. Were you ever down by twenty seven in a game at home <laughs> and had to come back and almost did? Uh. No, no, but I did. I think I did give up a, a couple uh, nineteen or twenty point uh, leads uh, uh, a couple times when we were. Uh, I think my freshman year or, or whatever it might be, uh, the, the famous game with Purdue, where yeah. Dean Katie got so pissed off, took all the uh, put all the uh, <laughs> all the all the, the second string in, and they came back and beat us. But no, it's uh, I was you know uh, I was a little disappointed in, in our our effort in that first half. You know. We're, we're, we weren't really ready to ready to go, and that, that's I think for me, you know, that's that that falls on the, your captains, your leaders, those guys who've got to tell you, you know, they got to get their guys ready for battle. So well, uh, how do you not? Was, but how, they come, yeah. how do you not be ready? That's 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 kind of you know some, some days at work. I know you you'd rather not be there and all that, but you only get so many opportunities as an athlete to to go out there and perform on the big stage. It, it seems to me that. You may not have it some night physically, but uh, you, you just got to get ready to play. 
Well, I, you know, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's a couple things. I think um, the, the schedule working up to there um, that, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, it wasn't uh, some of the tougher teams. And then I think Miami, I, I think they assumed that if, if they played uh, that way, but uh, when you're in the ACC Big Ten Challenge or you're playing in the Big Ten, uh, you know, you've got to be, you, you've got, you know, offensively, you don't, you're going to be hit or miss, but you, you've got to be ready defensively. You've got to be able to get the effort. You've got to play tough. You've got to rebound. And we didn't do any of that in the first half. And, you know, granted, they came back in the second half. But I think this week, um, Brad has sat down with a, a number of people, we won't mention names, and said, hey, listen, you know, I love you. Um, I'm always going to love you, but if you're not going to play the way defensively or play with uh, intensity and tough, uh, if you're going to be soft, then you're, you're going to sit next to me and watch the game. Uh, and I think that message has been sent out. So uh, this is going to be a great challenge, but I think our guys will come out, you know, ready to play and uh, we'll play with, uh, you know, the Brad Underwood style that we're used to. Used to. Well, Doug, let's talk about defense and, and the responsibilities of uh team defense as opposed to individual. I, I know that, you know, we, Fraser was supposed to be on likes the other night. and and uh, But when they pick and roll, you, you've got to make adjustments. And it seemed to me like the adjustments, there, there was no, no consistency to them. And and uh, too often, uh, Miami got a wide open shot. Uh, explain what, what the weakness, what were the breakdowns? Okay, so number one, um, when they run that high ball screen, Two things need to occur. You cannot get split. So if your guy is screening, and I'm a big guy, you can't. Uh, uh, I can't allow. Uh, and the guard, you've got to communicate. So you can't let that guy split you between the two defenders and go right straight to the hole. That's number one, and that happens way too often. That's that's communication. But you're asking number a big two, guy to react to a small guy, right? No, 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 no. You're okay. not. All these don't. No, these okay. guys will learn from the. All they do is hedge. It's, it, there's a different terminology they use here, but it's a hedge. You, you come out, you show yourself, and then what happens is the guard uh, comes and then takes you out of the play. So there's no reason for Kofi be guarding some guard, some guy, uh, a, a short you know guard, you know, 25 feet from the basket. That that's all that is is that's lack of communication. They practice it every day, so that's number one. So and then number two, you know, a guy like Georgie, he should know better. He's been around a long time. And that's one of the guys that's got to play better defensively. And play, he's a little, you know, he played a little soft, so he's got to, he's got to step up. I mean, this is his second year. The, the, the second thing you can't allow is, let's say the big guy doesn't hedge. So now, now the big guy's worried, okay, because he's, he's been exposed because now he's guarding the guy. So what is he does? He doesn't come out when his guy screens. He's supposed to come out. And hedge again. That means he needs to get away from his guy, and make the guy go back about two, three feet around you, then come around. What happens is the big guy now is all worried that he's going to have to guard this guy, so he stops hedging. Well, what does that mean? Well, when the screen and roll occurs, the the guard, the guy who's setting the screen, and the guard who's who's got the ball comes around. Now he can turn the corner and do what? Go right to the basket. That's another disaster. So what happened was you had you had the 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 big guy uh, not who's guarding the guard, and then he gets a little he gets a little nervous, and then what happens is is that they don't switch. He doesn't hedge, and then now he turns the corner. Those were the two things that happened 
on the high ball screen. The next thing that happens is is that now, uh, because we're not communicating on defense, we're allowing guys to get a free look uh, behind the three-point line. And so because of that, guys are now trying to help out each other, and now we're leaving guys open that shouldn't be open because we're chasing the basketball. We've had a breakdown. So now you've got guys who have got wide-open threes that have got all day to put because our rotation is off. So it all started with that ball screen, and we've got to do better. Now Cowan is probably one of the best in the Big Ten. So he's going to come down, and he likes to do it in transition, and the big guy will throw you know, a screen at the free throw line or top of the key. Our guys have got a show. We've got to figure that out. So today they were working on that rotation. So even if there's a breakdown, we all know – uh, how how to rotate defensively? So because Cowan, will, you know, he that's his bread and butter. He likes to make that little twelve footer all day. But my point in the, in the college basketball, you, there's there's two things you can't do on defense. You can't allow layups, and you can't allow wide open looks for threes. That's college basketball. You have to make teams beat you from like fifteen feet. If they make a couple of jumpers from fifteen feet, that's fine, because at least they're not knocking down threes, and at least they're not making layups. So, um, I mean, that's defensively, we've, you know, they really are working hard the last two days on their help defense and stacking it in a little bit more. So they're, they've changed defensively. I don't know if you guys have talked a lot about their, the last first two years, it was all about ball denial. Uh, it was all about turnovers, takeaways, scoring off their defense. This, this year's team has got it because they've got different personnel. They're trying to stack it in a little bit and make teams beat them from, you know, 15, 16 feet out. And, uh, but you wouldn't have known that against Miami. But anyway, that's, that's what they're working hard on defense, and they know they've got to get better. And that, that's a real – because the Big Ten is still a very defensive-oriented league. So, Well, I remember you as a player fighting through a few screens to guard guys like Steve Alford. What's the, what's the key to getting that done? Well, I think uh, – we were talking. I was talking to Dan Dockich a little bit, and I said, you know, we're talking about defense and a few other things. He, you know, he did the Miami game, and I said, you know, as a player, I always felt like it, you had to win those those personal battles. Um, you know, whether it's guarding Alfred or you know guarding you know Len Bias or whatever. I mean, they're going to score some buckets, but you got to make them earn it. Make them not shoot. You know, seven for nine, seven to ten. If they're going to you want them to go six for 13, six for 14. Um, you got to win those personal battles, and we're not we're not really winning those right now. I don't I don't see guys. You know, uh, we're getting uh, as Lauren says, we're 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 getting beat off the dribble, and guys are um, you know defensively we're having some breakdowns. So we have to help. We have to do a little better with the team defense. But um, you know th- this. Uh, you got to accept your assignment. You got to take great pride, but then also you got to help your teammates out. So if a guy gets beat, then I got to help that guy out. Well, I've I've helped my guy out. Now another another guy's got to help me out. So there's there's this great mentality that you have to have, and I I don't think this this team is is there yet and defensively, but you know it's a work in progress. But I I think have been around these guys for the last couple of years, and especially this year's team, I think I think we can get there. But well, this, this is going to be a true test, Doug, uh, because they've got a four-guard lineup with Smith, 
And Illinois has got yeah. a big big man lineup, which doesn't have the same quickness, and that's what scares me off the dribble, that, that, that off the dribble yeah. they're going to yeah. cause real problems, particularly with Cowan, who starts the whole thing, and Cowan is as good as a guard as there is in the league. But I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I watch these guys practice. I watch them. I, I think Trent can stay with Cowan. I think Io is a, you know, a, a, a projected to be a high draft pick. I mean, he's he's athletic. He can stay up with there. Demonte seems to be playing a lot better. His legs look good. He's playing a lot more confident. Uh, Felice is, is is a tough kid. Might um, might Demonte you know, start? I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, they're they're playing with a couple different looks out here right now, but yeah. he could be. Um, I mean, he's he's a good he's a good wing guy. He's big and uh, he's got a nice wingspan. He gets defensively. Brad always likes him. Then we need to bring that defense. So he he could be a he would be good. But you know, Maryland is is you know is always to me has been they're they're very athletic. They do a lot of good things. But they're you know the scouting report on this in years past. Is they're a little soft, so you know we can go in there, be a little physical, uh, you know, get get the ball going downhill. We got to rebound well. We cannot turn the ball over in this environment, um, and we got to own the glass, um, and we got to keep them off the free throw line. They they just they live on that thing. So, you know, we uh, Maryland, we've over the years our past defense has given them some problems. You know, at Illinois a couple years ago, we should have won that game. We, Played well up in Madison Square Garden last year, so we've had you know Brad's had some success against Maryland, uh, you know, uh, and been playing these guys. So I, I'm hoping that team comes out, and responds after the Miami game, and, and comes out with a, uh, a, a, a totally different mindset. Good stuff, Doug. Appreciate your time. Have a good broadcast this afternoon. All right, guys, go online. I will see uh, see in a few hours. You bet. Doug Altenberger with us here. On the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk, moving up on 9.50, we'll take a break. We've got an open line segment for you coming up. Feel free to join us, 356-9397. Back after this. Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk rolls on with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. As we hit 9.52, we're here until 11 o'clock. Talking a lot of basketball. We can continue down that road, or if you want to talk football, we can do that as well. The uh, football schedule as far as conference games go, we ran through that off the top, and I'll do it again for you. Ohio State and Wisconsin for the Big Ten title tonight. Baylor and Oklahoma for the Big 12. That game gets underway at 11 o'clock in Arlington, Texas. Georgia and LSU in the SEC championship game in Atlanta. And Virginia and Clemson for the ACC title, and most people think that will be a blowout. And according to the Odds makers, they think the Ohio State-Wisconsin game will be a two-touchdown game. The other two uh, games might be better than that. We'll have to, that's why they play the games, Lauren. Yeah, and, and it'll be fun to watch them. I mean, I like these playoff games. I just uh, I think that uh, I think uh, before too many years, we're, we're going to have uh, the champions of these four games, probably, or these five games, in the, turn, in, in the playoffs, along with maybe another – team or two from the from the power five and maybe one other team from the group of five and I think that'll be much more satisfactory because then you won't have any uh, right now it I would say if you're going to guess you're, you're going to guess that Oklahoma is going to be the fourth team if Georgia loses and Oklahoma beats Baylor don't you think that'll be it mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best 
four teams, but I mean, I think I think that you, I don't know how else you could go. Like in basketball right now, who's the best college basketball team? There isn't one. I know. There's it's hard def- to even do the ratings. There's definitely not one. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Michigan scored 43 points against Louisville and 103 against Iowa. Come on. And they jumped from not being ranked to number four in the country. And then they lost. Yeah. <laughs> so Illinois, because they'll still be, well, they'll, they'll fall a little bit by the time they come next time, but according to the uh, next week, but according to the rankings right now, Illinois is playing back-to-back, the number three and four teams in the country to open the Big Ten season. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where it is. But uh, Michigan State, uh, you know, they're, how good is Michigan? Michigan State is really good. But they're five and three. Yeah, they lost games. I mean, and you know they're going to be there. You know in the Big Ten they're going to be there. But I will say this: if Henry doesn't shape up, and they're very disappointed in him over the last several games at one forward, and they don't have Langford, that does change the picture there a little bit. I mean, Langford not being there hurts them. And this is the second year in a row for him, by the way. I don't know. Do they expect to have him back in January? I, I I've read where they might have him back later in the season. Last night, as Lauren mentioned, uh, Michigan rolled Iowa 103-91 to to get the Big Ten season started. There are four games today. Penn State is at Ohio State. Ohio State has to be the surprise so far at 8-0. and I kept saying, well, let's see how they do on the road because they played seven games at home, Ohio State did. So they went on the road. They went to Chapel Hill <laughs> and beat North Carolina at home by 25. That so, was... Uh, 27.4%. 27% is what North Carolina shot, and that's the lowest ever in the Dean Dome. Like, ever. <laughs> Since that building's been built. I mean, Ohio State simply stifled them from a defensive standpoint. And um, earlier, they, uh, they ripped Villanova by 25. So this is a decent, you know, this is a decent Ohio State team. You've got to take them serious. Also today, Indiana. Still unbeaten at eight and zero plays at Wisconsin. The Badgers are four and four. And remind me to ask uh, in the next segment with uh, with uh, Doctor uh, Dockage. Yeah. Uh, ask whether Indiana is better without Langford, Romeo Langford, and Morgan. He thinks they're better. I think, and he thinks they're better for reasons that well that he can only only he can explain. We've got the um, Illinois-Maryland game, of course. Maryland at 9-0. and And Nebraska plays a non-conference game. They're on the road playing Creighton today. And then tomorrow, a couple of games. Northwestern at Purdue. Purdue's also only 5-3, and but they've got an impressive win last week in the Big Ten ACC Challenge over Virginia. I, I, we can argue about this, but is there, a, is there a harder place to win at than Purdue at Purdue? There's just something. It's not the biggest uh, arena. It's just the toughest I've seen Illinois just uh, has had disasters over there repeatedly. And also tomorrow, Michigan State, still ranked number 11 at 5-3, and three, plays Rutgers. Rutgers, 6-2 and two start. They're okay. Rutgers yeah. got a good ball club. Yep. I remember they came in here and beat Illinois last year, and I kind of liked their team. I liked yeah. their makeup. Yeah. The, the, the problem is that their center transferred to Stanford out of Hawaii. I don't know. They're, he was their leading scorer and their leading rebounder. And um, just up and left. And, and so I assumed right away that they wouldn't be as good. And I, I think that's probably accurate that they won't be quite. Uh, they're not as good as they would have been if they had him. Let's put it that way. 
in case you missed it earlier or last night, Tim Dippman had the call here on DWS as Utah knocked uh, the Illini volleyball team out of the NCAA tournament out in Provo by a three to two count. And all the first four sets were all two point matches, but um, Utah wins it 15 to 10 in the fifth set. And uh, the other six Big Ten teams in the NCAA were winners, Nebraska, Michigan, Purdue, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, so they'll play on today. Illinois Wrestling had a 22-15 win over NIU last night. Women's basketball plays next on Tuesday at the State Farm Center against Merrimack, and they had one of their former players, Alex uh, Whittiger, sign a contract to play pro ball in Australia. So she'll be heading that season, I'm told, doesn't start till March. It's down under. It's, you're right. And I always, I always think about the softball pitchers that Decatur used to have. Yeah, they, yeah. They'd pitch six months in, in Australia or New Zealand, and then they come up and pitch six months in the summer here. So yeah. they, were, they, they never knew anything but summer. That's right. Wouldn't that be nice, Steve? Those were some good teams. You wouldn't have to play golf at 32 degrees today. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> like some uh, – less than smart people were planning to do. One, one smart people sitting next to me is going to be playing golf today, folks. Why not? It's December and the sun's out. Okay? <laughs> Get away. You can, you, what, you're going to wear a glove. I know you're going to wear a glove on your left hand. What about your I right hand? I, I, I don't wear a glove. I never wore a glove. Never wore a glove. Never wore a glove. Everybody wears gloves. I know. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> Fred Couples doesn't wear a glove. He's one of the few guys that, that doesn't. But you could find a few guys that don't wear a glove. I have... A glove, and I have gloves. I have winter gloves in my bag, but I almost never get them out. Okay. I just don't like the feeling of a glove, but nobody cares about that. As we hit 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217 217- 356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357 Here again are your hosts Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly And welcome back to the show everybody We're with you for another hour We spent uh, hour number one talking Illinois football and basketball We're going to start off hour number two with some more basketball We had Johnny Holliday, the voice of the Maryland Terrapins, on. We also had Doug Altenberger from Arden Network, the Fighting Illini Sports Network, talking about the game today. Happy to welcome to the program Dan Dockage, who is working in the game for ESPN. Dan was in town to work that Miami-Illinois game the other night. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm sitting here walking amongst the Illini right now in the Xfinity Center. They just finished what was, I think, and Coach thought was a really good uh, really good shoot-around. So. Doesn't always mean you're going to do well, but he, as in his words, uh, they had a terrible shoot around before they played Miami, and this one was good. So there you go. So what did you uh, maybe learn by watching that workout this morning? Uh, I learned two things. Number one, if uh, Anthony Cowan beats them, I think everybody's going to implode because Anthony Cowan was certainly a focus of the shoot around. And then I would think if uh, the Illini are going to face a zone, you're going to see some corner threes from I.O. Uh, in the left corner. So there you go. There's your scouting report. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I was surprised to uh, to see, Dan, that uh, 
Actually, Maryland has used a zone. Uh, I don't know if I should use the word extensive. Save the day the other day. Yeah. Save the day for him the other day. I've done, I'm the official announcer of television for Maryland basketball. I've okay. got him here for the fourth time. Um, yeah, they use the zone. Mark told me he doesn't really like to use the zone, but he's got to use it once in a while. And uh, the truth of the matter is uh, it helped them. It, it really did in, in, in Orlando. They, they, uh, uh, they were – mediocre to start the tournament in Orlando and by the end of it they found themselves they really did I thought they were so much better uh at the end against a very good Marquette team not a great Marquette team but a good Marquette team and um I thought they got much better and it didn't surprise me at all that they ended up beating the the crap out of uh, Notre Dame but I don't think Notre Dame is very good I don't think the teams they played in Orlando were great uh, I think Illinois is better than those teams, so I think this should be a good game. I do. I think it should be a very good game. Now I'm going to take you back to the Miami game. Explain the first half defense by Illinois against that high uh, pick and roll. Um, I think this. You know, I think as, as I watch uh, Coburn, I think you got to be a little patient. You know, pick and roll basketball. Let's put it this way. When, when guys were my age and they played basketball in the post, all you had to do is play in the post. You had right. to lean on a fat guy. Right. That's all you had to do. Now you've got to go out. You've got to hedge ball screens. You've got trap ball screens. You've got to make sure that you don't take a bad step forward or else a guy's going to whip you. And he doesn't know that yet, but he's going to know that. And he's going to have to play that today. I mean, he's going to have to play that. Uh, against a guy who's playing as well as any guard in the country in Colin. And if they can't do anything with that, then they're going to have a real problem. But I do think people got to be a little patient with this kid. I think this kid is a special kid. I think he's a special player. Um, but he doesn't know how to do this. He, he doesn't. And, and uh, George, Georgie does. So I, I would imagine, you know, during the comeback, I know a lot of people said, uh, hey, you got to keep Coburn in there because he's scoring, but he was killing him defensively, and I thought Brad made a good move going back and forth. Uh, but the truth of the matter is he's got to learn to do that. He's got to learn, and it's not the easiest thing. We were talking to Brad about, you know, the difference between Caleb Wesson. Ohio State's really good because Caleb Wesson has become a terrific defender. He was a terribly bad defender until this year. Well, Kofi doesn't know how to do that. You know, he's a, he's a freshman. Caleb Watson's a senior. So I think it's going to be interesting. I, I think this is a big test for him and a big test for the Illini because you're going to see a lot of ball screen. Well, would they be ball screening with Smith? And if they do, I mean, that 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 takes Smith out. He's their only big guy from their starting lineup. I mean, they, they do talk about starting four guards with, with uh, Jalen Smith. Uh, do they want to do that with him? Well, they played much better with a smaller lineup, Lauren. They played far better. Yeah, um, the kids, the other bigs that they have, I, I assume they're going to be good, but they're not good right now. The Mitchell brothers are are good players, and one of them played with high energy. I can't remember which one. They all they they, they they're such twins that it makes me crazy. Like you really <laughs> cannot, you know, even Turgeon's like Dan. I can't tell them apart. <laughs> Johnny Holiday no. says he can't tell them apart. You, can, I'm telling you, you can't. Um, but. They played with far more energy uh, in the championship game. Now, are they going to do that this year? I don't know. Who knows? Um, but the small lineup, 
They will They will do that with Smith. Marcel's a very good offensive rebounder, has great toughness from the guard position. And the truth of the matter is their bigs aren't ready. They're just simply not ready to play, and uh, or at least win. And you know what? Sm- uh, they're not that small. Throw that on the back. They're not that small because, quite frankly, Wiggins is about six foot seven. Um, you know, and Marcel's a tough dude, so they can go any way you want with it. Talking to Dan Dockage, we do have a caller, real quick, with a question for Dan. Steve, calling from Princeton, Illinois. Go ahead, Steve. Yes, I haven't watched the tape of the game, but Dan, was there anybody else open on that play when Io made the charge? Because Miami knew he was going to force the ball. Was there anybody else open that he could have given the ball to, like Tyler Griffin? When they beat Indiana, years ago. yeah, Felice Felice was open right there in the right hand corner. It's kind of funny. I was talking to Matt Painter. Uh, was it Matt? I forget who I was talking to. I think it was Matt. And he said, you know, Felice probably tough enough to make that shot. So yep. yeah, he was sitting there in the corner. And I, I'm with you. Like everybody in the building knew that Io was going to put his head down and try to make a play. And and Likes knew it as well. And he he got himself established, but. You know, sometimes when you're going and you're the guy, you 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 lose yourself a little bit. You know, you you think you can make whatever play needs to be made, and sometimes the best play is just to slow down and and trust your teammates. And you know, I think obviously if Io had to do over again, he would have kicked it and make or miss. You know, if you make it, you're a hero. If you miss it, you're a zero. So <laughs> it was a uh, it was a it was a good you know, sometimes you know and this is hard for fans to do and it's sometimes hard for me to do but sometimes you got to give the other guy credit right i mean the other guy made a hell of a play stepping in there the little guy with four fouls um and hopefully you know if you're illinois you you learn and you you play the way you did in the second half not the way you did in the first half cuz that was awful well dan i'm going to put you under a little pressure here good indiana is indiana better this year than they were last year when they had morgan and langford Oh yeah, addition by subtraction. I, look, Langford is the you know oh, he drove me nuts. I, he was a shoe guy, and by that I mean, and I've used this term ever since we had a kid named Luke Recker come to Indiana. He played more for a shoe company and more for you know external things than you do for Indiana. And as a former player and a former coach, that offends me. So yeah, get get Langford's ass out of there. <laughs> um, Morgan was all right, but I I'll be honest with you, I wasn't. Uh, Morgan was fine, but I'll never forget Indiana. I did the game; they got their brains beat out by Ohio State, and Morgan's out there laughing like ten minutes after the game. Now, look, I understand. I, you know, I take my, I take my broadcaster hat off, and and I I go to being you know ex Indiana guy, ex Indiana player, ex Indiana coach, a guy that has a lot of pride uh, in all those things, and 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 it, it offended me. I didn't like it. So yeah, get them, get those two guys out of there. Trace Jackson Davis is is an enthusiastic, athletic, you know, he's going to be a pro. He's going to be a first-round pick. And having him out there is so much more enjoyable for Indiana fans than what it was watching Langford. Well, they got a teamwork thing going, it looked to me like. They've got a full team, whereas last year you just looked for those two guys defensively. You just knew one of those two guys was going to be the guy you had to stop. Yeah, Devontae Green's going to have a big year. I had a chance to talk to him at the Big Ten Media Day, Lauren, and, and I just liked him. Like, you know, he's been through some stuff. He's been yep. suspended. He, he's a little bit like Ryan Klein at Purdue. Ryan Klein, everybody remembers the end, but they don't remember he got 
Ben, but he had all kind of issues. And I believe, you know, in life and in basketball and in sports, if you go through some stuff and you don't quit, it makes you tougher. And I, I don't know that, you know, Devontae Green's going to make all the shots like he did the other night against Florida State, but I, he's going to average 15, 18 uh, points and be very, very good late in games because he doesn't have a conscience, which is always a good thing. I love putting you on the spot. What's the uh, toughest toughest place to play, Indiana or Purdue? Come on now. Which is it, Dan? Oh, I'd say Purdue. I mean, look, Indiana's <laughs> not easy. Hey, look, I remember with Coach Knight when he and Lou were fighting in the hallways and Maggie and everybody else. That wasn't easy either. Big Ten arenas, man, when they get jumping for, for basketball games, it, the barn, you get a you get a full barn going crazy. But, I, but to me, the, the, the game we saw the other day at Purdue – um, with Virginia, who, by the way, isn't very good, um, was the toughest environment that you're going to see in a non-conference season. Indiana's great, but in, look, Indiana, the, Dave Fleming, who did the game, sent me a text, man, are Indiana fans dying for a winner? That's a great crowd. And and they are. Um, and so is Illinois. You know, so – I. I'll take Purdue in that crowd we saw the other night anytime. That was awesome. It's murder. By the way, is Bob Knight going to come back to an Indiana game this season? There's no question. I've said this since 2008 when people ask me. When, when I always said when Bob Knight becomes nationally irrelevant, which he is, um, when Bob Knight uh, is no longer you know, the winningest coach of all time and, and all that kind of stuff, and nobody cares. He's going to, and he realizes that his fan base. I mean, let's be honest. We're all getting old, man. <laughs> you know, and 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 you know, fan base is either getting too old or dying off. I mean, he was. I always said he'll come back to Bloomington because it's the only place he can be. Bob Knight. You know, nobody else gives a rat's ass about Bob Knight, but Indiana fans we do. So he'll come back this year because basically it's the only place he can go be Bob Knight. And it'll be a huge ovation. It'll be crazy. And uh, it'll be a good thing for him. And it'll be a good thing for Indiana basketball. How long will the standing ovation be? Uh, I would say probably delay the game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's been smart. He's been like, you know, Garbo. He's, he's gone away. And, uh, when you go away, man, you know, people want to see you more. So uh, it'll be good. I, I don't necessarily um, – you know, the drama of Indiana having to reach out to him and all that stuff is great. But, but uh, you know, he, 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 should, he should live up to, and I've sent him this in letters and I've gotten MF back and everything else, but he should live up to what he always preached. Uh, and he hasn't done that since his firing at Indiana, and that's been disappointing to a lot of us. Talking to Dan Dockage, we'll let you go with this. You mentioned, of course, uh, people remember you as a player and as a coach uh, with Indiana Ties. What about some memories, a memory or two, of going against Illinois, either as a player or a coach? You know, it was funny. I was just talking to Doug Altenberger, and uh, Illinois, and I didn't realize Bruce Douglas was still in the uh, you know, top two in assists all time in the uh, NBA. I remember I got hit so hard by George Montgomery in a game at Assembly Hall. I, I, I think we, 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 we beat Illinois. was maybe in the top five, and we had a bunch of guys hurt, so it was just about six of us, um, you know, dressed or maybe seven. And Chuck Franz went off and had like 23 in the game. 
And and I got hit so hard by George Montgomery. It's the only time I actually laid on the court. And I remember Coach Knight saying, get your ass up. We only have seven guys dressed. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. But I also remember my freshman year, I got hit in the chin. I always remember the hits. Craig Tucker. You remember Craig Tucker? Oh, yeah. Guard? Yeah. I, I remember two things from my freshman year game at Assembly Hall in, in – in, uh, in Champagne, I remember being on the side free throw line next to James Griffin, and he he always wore white Converse canvas shoes, <laughs> and he had grass stains all over him, like he'd been walking in the freaking like he'd been mowing lawn. You know what I mean? And I looked at him, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Because you know, everybody we had Adidas top tens, and they were fancy and all that stuff. I remember that, and I remember Craig Tucker going up for a jump shot. He hit me with his elbow right on the chin, and I ran down the side of the court, and I didn't know where I was. <laughs> and they threw the ball to me, and it went out of bounds. Coach Knight took me out, started cussing, and I remember not knowing where I was or why I was there. <laughs> uh, I sat on the bench, got my head together, and Coach put me in the second half, and I had a really good game. And I, and I remember thinking, you know, you look back and like, damn, I think I had a concussion. I should hit myself in the head all the time because I played better when I was concussed. You brought up George I mean, Montgomery, and, and, you know, George couldn't jump, but the guy standing next to him couldn't jump either. No. We were just – Doug Altenberger and I were talking about uh, George just now. He was he was a draft choice, and, you know, you had Ephraim Winters and Bruce Douglas and Doug Altenberger, man. You had a pretty good team. They were – it's fun to get on the road and run into guys like Doug and and you know reminisce about stuff and but uh, I my biggest memory is being in the back hallway when Knight and Lou were going to throw hands and Maggie grabbed uh, Lou and I tried to grab Knight and they were going to fight in the back hallway which was one of the all time <laughs> great moments in, in coaching history. But Maggie was big man. Maggie was like a freaking yeah, FBI was. agent or something. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I remember looking at him thinking, man, you grab Coach Knight. Lou's little. I can grab Lou's. <laughs> but you Lou know, said you know, Knight was, um, looked big to him when he thought about it. Yeah, and Lou, Lou, wasn't, you know, Lou wasn't wrong when he said that stuff about Knight. But uh, it's like Knight, Knight liked Katie until Katie started beating our ass. And then, we, you know, Katie was a bad guy. And yeah. so it's, it's just funny stuff to look back on and. And everybody was a maniac back in those days, and it was kind of fun. Yeah. Hey, Dan, we appreciate your time. I always love talking basketball with you. Maybe we can do it again here as the season goes down the Anytime, road. Anytime, man. You, you guys got my number, and I got nothing to do on Saturday morning. So there uh, you go. I'm thanks good. a lot, so, Dan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Dan Dock is with us. He's working the game on ESPN2 today. Of course, you can hear it right here on the Fighting Illini Sports Network, Learfield IMG College. Game gets underway shortly after 4 o'clock. Pre-game coverage with Illini Game Day would be uh, 2.30, so uh, that's all coming up today. It is 10.18, almost 10.19, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break. Open line coming up. Still have Phil Bova as a scheduled guest at 10.30. If you'd like to join us, do so after this. We're back in just a moment. Ten twenty-one, Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11. If you've been by uh, the Pella Window Store lately, they've got a product product that's uh, kind of new in the last few months. It's called the Pella Lifestyle Series. They're located, by the way, at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. 
but Pella created the lifestyle series of wood windows and patio doors to provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency at an amazing value. Most styles are available with triple-pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. Pella Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency, plus you can personalize solutions for each room in your home. You may not want the same thing in every room, but you can do it any way you like with their available product packages. With the Pella Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your project's unique style. And with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors to complement your home and budget. They've got uh, several on display there at their showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Or you can go to their website, PellaOfChampagne.com. Check them out. Give them a call, 356-6474 in Champaign. They're open Monday through Friday and Saturday by appointment. The Pella Window Store. Check out the Pella Lifestyle Series next time you're out and about. It is 1022, talking uh, Illinois basketball mainly today with the Illini opening. Big Ten play still sounds a little strange for early December to do that. I got a confession to make. Oh, boy. I thought that the Big Ten was going to be down this year. You know I thought that. Back in... Not that long ago, a week Not ago, that. you thought that. Well, so then the, a, a month ago, yeah, for sure. But yeah. then the big, then the ACC challenge yes. came along, and in line, I and the Big Ten won that ten, eight to six, I believe, or yep. something like that. They had eight one to by six, two I games, yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the thing, and I didn't know Ohio State was going to be this good. I certainly didn't think Michigan was going to do what they did, and so all of a sudden we've got, and you know, Indiana uh, again. I here's a uh, Dockich, who is an Indiana guy who watches them and follows them, he thinks they're better than they were last year. I thought they wouldn't be as good because they lost their best two players. But sometimes the group is better than an individual or two, and they've come together a lot better. And I mean, we we haven't seen enough of Indiana yet to to really know they have they haven't played anywhere but home, and that's a big advantage for them. But as as I look at the league now, I I, I see. Uh, Maybe Nebraska's down, Rutgers is down, maybe I'm Northwestern's down. I think Wisconsin is down. Wisconsin hasn't shown anything yet. But um you know, the the top of the, there's not six or seven, eight teams that are pretty they're pretty solid. And you know, I and I see now I, I did see Lenardi just this week predicted that the Big Ten would get eight teams in the NCAA tournament, and that's more than any other league. And my question to you now is Will Illinois be one of those eight? They'll be fighting a team like Iowa, maybe. Yeah. And I'm not, when you talked to Johnny Holiday when we had him on uh, last hour, you mentioned Iowa maybe in that second tier. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I think they're on the edge. Yeah. But I, you know, you're right. Um, Will Illinois th- be, and I didn't answer your question because I can't at this point. Had they won the game the other night, and I realize that's just one game either way, but yeah. that was a big game, and they, well, yeah, they needed that game against Miami. That's right, and Nickel State took them to overtime, yeah. which is that's, that's a little embarrassing, and, and there has been nothing about the season so far that, that it was a good win you know, against Grand Canyon, but Grand Canyon's not very good this year. Uh, it was on the road, and that's good, but still, this team is an experienced team, but it's going through the throes of an adjustment adjustment defensively, adjustment offensively, and adjustment for Georgie. And Io isn't playing quite as good as, as projected. I mean, let's be honest. And an adjustment to having a legitimate, solid big man who 
is still a freshman. Yeah. But you're showing you need him just I mean, by hit, the numbers he's putting up. But there are times when he, he, he looks at the him. box score and you see a guy go eight for eight and you think, oh, my yeah. goodness, what a terrific game he Why played. Why didn't they get him 13 shots? Well, know? yeah, that's that part's true. But <laughs> the other part is that when Illinois rallied, he wasn't in the game. Yeah. And why why was that? Because defensively, he's, he's he was as you know he I guess you say he just didn't perform the way he was expected to, or they wanted him to, and and he's learning, as uh, you know as Dan Dockage said, he's he's learning the game defensively, and in his day and in the days that I look back on, when you had a big center, or if you had John Reddy, Red Kerr, he just guarded another guy in the post. That's what he did. Well. All over the world today, all over the world, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in the NBA, whether it's in college basketball, everybody's bringing their big man out to pick for the little guard to force that switch. And you've got to figure out a way to deal with that. And if you can't deal with it, you can't win. Yeah, so your opening point in this segment is the Big Ten, and it might be better than you thought. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think it is top. And I think Purdue's going to be better than I thought. The top two-thirds, I think you're right. Yes. I'm, I'm not sure about. Right. Yeah. The top, yeah. I'd or maybe say, the top half. Is it really going to go eight deep? I, I, you know, And is Illinois going to be one of those eight? I mean, that's the question I have right now. I uh, I think Illinois is 11 and a half point underdog today. That's, sure. a, that's a pretty big spread. I bet you I'd have, I'd have to look it up, but I'm thinking that's about what the spread was last year in Probably Madison was. Square Garden when Illinois was down by 11 and a half and yep. ended up winning by 11. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Marty in Pinehurst is with us. Hey, Marty. Hey, Steve. Hey, Lauren. How you doing today? Good. Hey, guys, you're right, Lauren. It's an experienced team in one regard, but you got a freshman center and you used to play a team with a bunch of small men that tried to overplay and trap all over the place. You're, you're playing a different style of defense this year. you got a freshman that's got to learn what to do, and you were talking about that at the beginning of the show. They'll be fine. Got a good coach, and I think they'll make the tournament, but they're going to have to win some tough games, and uh, they're going to have to not, not show up in the first half again like they did against Miami. So it'll be okay. And in football, get some big uglies, Lauren. You you want to talk about football recruiting? All I care about is what kind of defensive lineman and offensive lineman you get. Because if you want to win consistently in the Big Ten, that's what it's about. Absolutely, it about I, I, about I don't pay I don't pay any attention to any recruits at, at wide receiver. I don't pay any attention to recruits any other position except defensive line. If we don't get a defensive line and play really strong defense, we're always going to be disappointed. Yeah, and. Um, yeah. But I, I think the basketball team, frankly, right now, is in about the same position the football team was going into the season. Can they make yeah. the? Can they make a bowl game? Can they make the NCAA tournament? I think we're we're talking about the same thing. And that just that discussion is a disappointment to me, because I expect more yeah. out of Illinois than just whether or not maybe by luck we can go six and six, or maybe by luck we can go nine and nine in the Big Ten, and maybe be the last four in. Yeah. I agree. I said with nine him. nine. It's I ten ten now. Better, but but a big man that's going to play a big role. Who's a freshman? I watched him a couple games last year in high school, and he stood in the middle yeah. to be the big shot blocker. He didn't have to move around, so he's right. learned a lot of new things. You bet. And, and it's exactly way, guys, right. I want to take you off subject for a second. The Cardinals have a committed payroll that only gives them about sixteen million to work with to get up to last year's payroll. And I'm wanting to know, I know we need an impact bat, 
But are they going to go after a starting pitcher, uh, all a Madison Bumgarner? Because the only bats available are going to be Ozuna and Cassianos that are outfield bats. Are they going to bank on these young kids, somebody to come through out of those six young outfielders, or and go after a pitcher? Or are they going to trade for an outfielder? I want to know what you guys think. Don't know. Uh, that's why we watch, I guess. But uh, they are they, the experts, Stephen Lauren. We might be, but. Uh, <laughs> We're not in uh, John Mazalock's head. I know that. Well, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think that uh, Bernie Miklas, who was going to be on with us today, and something came up and he couldn't. I, I think he's been analyzing their the team, and I don't think he is anticipate. He's calling it a pretty dead winter, as I as I, the way I read him. And that doesn't mean something couldn't come out of the blue, but but. Uh, well, they got a problem. They got a problem, Lauren, with the roster commitments in that they're they're yes. up to 147 and a half committed payroll. Last year their payroll was 163, and they don't want to go over that. So it's going to be hard to sign any big ticket items. Well, that's right. You know, and they they still have to replace Ozuna in there, and that's going to take some payroll. That's so a, I don't know that they can do that much other than trades. Well, and they've got outfielders to trade. Well, they could go back and get Tommy Pham. He just went to San Diego. Maybe they could. Pay. <laughs> Uh, no, I yeah. I, I don't Tampa know. Their, their outfield, their outfield is a disaster. It was a disaster this last season. It'll be a disaster this next season. You can just count on it. I mean, when you well, got if Fowler, they have to play Fowler every day. It will be yes. Well, in the center field situation, I mean, uh, find me somebody can hit. You've got a center fielder out there who hit 175 against left-handed pitching. I mean, he's a right-handed yeah, well, hitter and he batted 175 against left-handed pitching. Well, they've got guys who can play center that can bat better than that. Yeah, Trust yeah, me. but they don't have a center fielder that can feel better. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. And by by May, you're going to see Carlson if he starts off well at Memphis. Mm-hmm. All right, Marty, appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. See ya. Ten thirty two WDWS Champagne Urbana. We'll take a break. Be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We've been here since 9, heading towards 11 o'clock. Plenty of basketball talks and football talk as well on this December 7th, Saturday morning. Happy to welcome to the program a name that uh, basketball fans might be familiar with. Phil Bova was a Big Ten official for many years. Phil is now the author of a book. We're going to talk about that as we move along this morning. But, Phil, welcome to the program. Uh, Good to talk with you. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lauren. Great to talk with you people this morning. You've got a book called Throwing Back the Chair. Basketball official Phil Bova shares his untold stories and memories of three decades of working Big Ten and NCAA basketball. The Throwing Back the Chair, that brings back some memories, doesn't it? Boy, it sure does. It's uh, 44 years with the NCAA and 30 uh, in the Big Ten, and of course, it never, it never was. It was always super over being at Illinois University. I could tell you what the Orange Crush. They were the best. <laughs> you called some big games here, if I remember right. You were on the um, the Andy Kaufman shot game. Is that right? When, that he, beat, when he beat Iowa, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, that, well, that was an unbelievable finish. Probably one of the greatest finishes guys I've ever had in my entire career. Phil, before because we Iowa get... had ran off, right off the floor. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Phil, were you involved in, in putting time back on the clock? Because when when that basket went through on the other end, and uh, and that gave Iowa the one point lead, I think the ball went off of Deion Thomas's shoulder did, yeah. into the basket, and then the clock had virtually run out, and 
what happened then? Bring us, uh, explain how you put time back on the clock. Well, we we felt that there were were time. There was time back on the clock. Jody Sylvester, Ted Valentine, Valentine, and myself. We we come we came together, and we certainly didn't have the the replay like we have today. So we felt honestly that there should have been 1.5 seconds left to be put back on the clock. And sure enough, uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing close about the shot. Well, I mean, the shot was clearly off, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We looked at it replay, and it was just unbelievable because I was with their three van referees now, of course, the lead, the center, and the trail. And I happened to be the trail on the play, and the, the shot, I don't know that the shot was supposed to be taken by Andy, but as it turned out, it did. And there were plenty of time, and the ball was clearly released, and we had a, we had a chance to look at it at the replay afterwards and felt obviously very good about it. Last thing you want to have happen is that not, not be correct, you know. Talking to Phil Bova, the uh, throwing back the chair is the main title of the book, and that uh, certainly uh, refers to the Bob Knight chair-throwing incident, February 23rd, 1985. Could it be we're coming up on 35 years since that, and I'm sure you remember it well. Oh, I sure do. It, it, it was like yesterday. The beauty part of this whole thing, fellas, is it was my daughter's 16th birthday. She's now 50 years old. We have nine beautiful grandchildren. She's our oldest, our oldest daughter. My wife often says, if you had stayed home where you belong that Saturday afternoon, the chair wouldn't have been thrown. <laughs> <laughs> well, why did he throw it? What was he upset about? Well, you know, we uh, three-man crews, the ball... They couldn't throw the ball in the, in the ocean on that day. On that particular day, Purdue, everything went right for Purdue and everything went wrong for Indiana. And it was just foul after foul. And the ball just didn't go in, like I said. So we had to do what we had to do. And then we had a technical foul. Fred Jaspers had a technical foul on Bob Knight. And then one thing led to another. But prior to that, fellas, we had a jump ball at half court with Steve Alford. Of course, he coached over there at Iowa and coached, uh, I believe, at Texas Tech also. But there was a jump ball that Bob Knight thought it should have, or there was a foul called on Alford, and Knight thought it should have been a jump ball, and that's really what got him going. See, and Then he had said some things to Fred, and then one thing led to another. And then after the technical foul, and the last thing, the last thing referees think is going to happen is a chair comes out on the floor. I mean, we have a pregame for close to an hour every game, and we go through A through Z. <laughs> but the last thing we had to do is thinking that the chair is coming out. So obviously, we had to get the game back under control because uh, there was a tremendous. It was probably about seven, eight to ten minute fiasco where Knight did not want to leave, and I we talked to him. I kind of whispered in his ear, "Coach, you have to leave, or this game is going to be called." <laughs> So we did it the best we possibly could administratively to get it back, and I believe uh, Purdue went on to win that ball game by I don't know ten or twelve points. The thing you didn't, you didn't, you didn't unbelievable afternoon. Didn't you see the little old lady standing over there in the corner or waiting? They didn't have yeah, a place she to sit down. That chair thrown to her. <laughs> <laughs> and the beauty part of it is, fellas, here's the best part: the handicap section was across the uh, across the free throw line extended at that time at Assembly Hall. Now, I know it's no longer there. They put it upstairs. But fortunately for Coach Bob Knight, the, the chair did not make contact with anyone, particularly the handicapped. But I do remember seeing, I'm not, I'm not sure what television show, he had said that a lady had asked him to 
throw a chair across because <laughs> you need to sit down. But the beauty part of it is, guys, Bob Knight came to my referees camp that summer. I had a referees camp for 22 years. We trained guys from all across the country. It was fabulous, fabulous week we had. And I never told 85 people that were attending that Knight was going to come to my camp. And it was the summer that the chair was, or the, the game, the summer that, uh, that the chair was thrown. And, and he walks out unexpectedly, and they, uh, they almost fell off the chair. <laughs> they could not believe he was there. And I never, never did say that he was coming in case he didn't. I didn't want them to be upset. But it was, he stayed, was supposed to stay for an hour, guys. He stayed for three hours. It was unbelievable. And he says, hey, by the way, Bova, if you need a chair, I'll give you one. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking to Phil Bova. The book is called Throwing Back the Chair. And I'm guessing it's these kind of stories that you have in there. What what else can people find in that book? Well, you know what? And I appreciate that's a great question. There's a lot of humor. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of commitment. There's there's a, a, a chapter on my lovely wife, Donna, of 53 years. Uh, you know, supporting myself and, and our beautiful family because I was gone a lot during during certainly during the basketball season, and I also had a baseball school uh, that we had here 45 years for youngsters seven to uh, 14. So I was very very busy, and she held the fort down. There's a great chapter on how it's how it is to be with a being married to a, a sports official, whether it be a man or a woman who stayed home holding down the fort. She did a wonderful job. I, I have the all uh, I have the all Big Ten Bova teams first second and third team, fifteen guys who I thought were just outstanding players. There's f- top fifteen games in there that I have officiated, and this of course uh, the uh, Illinois Iowa game on February fourth, nineteen ninety three. But then the beauty part of it is, guys, Bruce Pearl and Jimmy Collins back on February seventh. 2002 they were both head coaches and i had them over at illinois chicago and you talk about cutting the tension with a knife and they would not shake hands they wouldn't so, shake hands after the I game so oh they wouldn't shake hands before the game and or after the game and I, <laughs> we knew going in we just had to keep both of them away from each other because obviously you, you all know the story but it was uh those kind of stories that are in there uh are just for lots and lots of fun and just the humor and the way my, my, the author is a gentleman by the name of Nino Frostino. And it took us two years to put this book together. And it's been so well received. And we're just excited about sharing the, the memories. What uh, qualities does it take a player to be mentioned on the all Bova team? And are there any <laughs> Illinois guys on there? Well, there's a couple of them on there that, that I feel that are, uh, that are outstanding, and I'm not going to share with you who they are. I want the people to read that. <laughs> <laughs> but I do rate. I do have some fun with the coaches. I rate the not rate the coaches. Talk about the different coaches. Of course, Lou Henson was one of my all-time favorites. I mean, he was a gentleman, and Jimmy Collins, that whole staff. I just loved walking into that atmosphere. And uh, people here over here in the Midwest, unless you go to an Illinois or, or Purdue or an Indiana game, they're, they're missing out. And I guess I, I believe you guys would agree with me. Yep. And those of us who know Lou Henson well know he does not swear. 
and I, he had people for that. But <laughs> tell, yeah, that's what Nagy was for. That's right. But uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about maybe Nagy. Exactly right. You got. And if if he look if looks could kill, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> so tell me how Lou was able to get his point across at times when when he would communicate uh, with officials without uh, swearing. I'm, I'm, Phil, I'm guessing you might have appreciated Phil, that. could I talk with you? He would say, Phil, could I talk <laughs> with you? I says, Lou, I'd be happy to talk with you. And I'd, well, I'd walk over there, and then he would whisper in my ear a couple of vernaculars, and i go, okay, I'll do the best we can. <laughs> but, uh, Jimmy Collins was a classic. Of course, Nagy, we, we, we went back and forth, but we had a lot of fun. But what was all said and done, there was always that respect for, you know, the referees, and it was a respect for for those guys because they have a tremendous job. A lot of pressure on these kids today, but when it's all said and done, you better be ready when you walk into these arenas to, to referee, to play, and to officiate. Bill, you weren't there at Iowa when uh, Lou gave uh, Deion Thomas a note to give to the officials, <laughs> which gave him the, the number of fouls on on Iowa and the number of fouls on Illinois, just so the referee would know. <laughs> And he had, and by and, and the referee took the little piece of paper and looked at it and gave Lou a T right on the spot. I don't remember who that was. Somebody will tell me, but I, I can't remember. Who I, the, I don't know who it was, but if that, when that happened to me, I, I'd have to turn around and laugh at it. I would give the guy a T. I, that's that's a great move because I'm a coach, I was a player, and I'm a referee. And when I go to watch my nine grandchildren uh, play. I sit. I have to sit on my hands with these referees today. So I thought that was a classy move on Lou Henson's part, writing a nice note out there. <laughs> Tee him up. Come on. <laughs> so where can uh, people find this book? I, I saw it on Amazon.com, but I'm sure it's all over the place, right? Well, it is on Amazon.com, and, and we're real excited about it. That's the place right now to buy it. Uh, it's uh, certainly been, like I said, we've been really excited about Here's two. There's two things. Two things that people really get excited about, fellas: the Super Bowl and college basketball at March Madness. And I was, uh, you know, I was fortunate and blessed to be able to be an integral part of that for 20 of my uh, 30 years at the Big Ten, the NCAA tournament. We talk about the selection of the of referees. Everyone knows how the 64 teams get there. How do these guys advance? So, Amazon.com is is where we could find it uh, at this point. We appreciate it. It's called uh, Throwing Back the Chair. Phil Bova, thanks for your time. If you're in the area by any chance doing a book signing or anything, let us know. We'll help you promote that. But uh, good to visit with you. Thanks, Phil. We appreciate that so much, Steve and Lauren. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Phil Bova has been our guest. Throwing Back the Chair is the name of the book. That um, Andy Kaufman game, 1993, of course, was heard right here on DWS was also televised. Doug Altenberger, in his first year as a color commentator, was on the call with one other guy. Mr. Keen hit that one to tie it up, and it looked like it was going to go into overtime. And Iowa is bringing the big boys out down on the baseline. A.C. Earl and Jay Webb on the inbound pass. Got to come in quick. Comes into Kaufman. He might get a shot. It's up. And oh! Unbelievable. Here's a look at it. Wheeler has trouble getting it in and finally does. What a pass by T. 
T.J. Wheeler. This will make some highlight films tonight. I think it was one of the best college basketball games played this year. Unbelievable. And Phil Bova mentioned that that was the most exciting finish in his career, certainly one of the most. What about your career? Yeah, that was <laughs> that was one where it was a different kind of call because it was on television. So mm -hmm. we were able to, to lay out and not have to describe every little thing because the place was going nuts. You, yep. you and Jim Turpin were going nuts. <laughs> Everybody was going nuts. But I told Doug, because it was his first year uh, doing this, I said, look, if anything crazy happens here, we're going to lay out a little bit because this is TV and people can see that. And yep. uh, so we did it. And actually, I edited that down. The, the period of the crowd was longer, much longer. Oh, really? And I waited till they, till the TV uh, uh, producer came back with the replay before I jumped back in. So, but they, yeah, that was that was a fun game to call, no doubt. I also called the one in Hawaii that uh, when DJ Richardson hit the shot from the corner to win right. that game, but uh, certainly didn't have the emotion as the, of this one. Well, how did you call the end of the game when you surely thought the game was over? I said something like, if it's going to take a ball bouncing off an Illinois player, especially Deion Thomas's shoulder, then Illinois is not meant to win this game. I, I just thought if that was going to be the deciding factor. Well, I didn't. I didn't know if they were going to put time back on. I know. I mean, I I was I didn't just didn't know. I I thought they might, but uh, I I thought if you don't, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> it is 10:50. Uh, Need to take a break. We'll do that and be back with more after this. Stay with us. 10.53, Illini Pellow Saturday Sports Talk with Tate and Kelly for another few minutes. Let's go to the phones and Rick in Champaign. Hey, Rick. Yes, hi there. Uh, I enjoyed uh, working with you, Steve, at Channel 3 for many years. You did a great job for us on sports. Um, I uh, remember when we had T.J. Wheeler on our sales staff for a while, and I used to go on sales calls with him, and, you know, every time I'd, I'd drive with him to a sales call, I'd say, Steve, would you please tell me, uh, you know, about that that last pass play to uh, Kaufman for the Iowa win? And, uh, you know, it was, uh, I, you know, I could have, have, have sat there and listened to it 50 times, and it was always a thrill to hear him, you know, tell it, because he's the one, of course, who had to make the, uh, the tricky pass. Wasn't, uh, wasn't he a quarterback in high school? Yeah, he was, and he and he threw that like a quarterback yeah, because right. they had a screen on the baseline. Yeah, he went left and then came back right. Came back right and, and threw a bit like a baseball or a football pass to a wide receiver. Go ahead, Rick. And it, it yeah, and uh, it's been so many years ago, but I think there was something about that that he told me that the players themselves kind of came up with a play in the huddle, or the coach came up with a play. I don't recall which, but. Uh, there was something about that that was a little different twist. Hey, appreciate your call. Thank you, Rick. Okay, thank you, man. You bet. Probably depending on who TJ was talking to on who he said came up with that play. <laughs> <laughs> if the coaches were hearing him, he was say it was their call altogether. I, I think Mark Coombs was in the huddle. And I, I think he had the thing that's, that's forgotten about this play and the thing that made it so important was the feeling between Iowa and Illinois yes. that I can't explain to anybody in 2019 if you weren't around it. Exactly. I can't tell you how much hatred, <laughs> Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> we had hatred. Even if she doesn't have hatred, we had hatred. You take one final break at 10.55. We'll do that and be back with more. Stay with us. It is Illinois and Maryland today out east. Here's Iowa DeSumo on the game. 
Big game. I mean, I won't lie to you. I mean, this game, it's no love between these two teams. Um, you know, we want to, they want to kill us, we want to kill them. Um, so it's about just who's going to kill each other first. Um, it's going to be a great game, great atmosphere. We beat them last year. Um, there's a lot of chatter on the court. So we want to come out and try to have fun. But we know we got to come out prepared because, like I said, there's no love between these two teams. I mean, it's just a Big Ten opponent, and we played in Madison Square Garden on the biggest stage. And um, we beat them, so I'm, I'm pretty sure they want to come out for revenge. I'm pretty sure that their coach had this game marked on the calendar the whole year. So we got to just come out prepared. Like, we can't come out like we did against Miami. We got to come out prepared knowing that this team wants to um, dismantle us. So we have to just come out and, and play our game. That's Io DeSumo, his team about an 11-point underdog. I didn't know that there was any animosity between these two, any special animosity between these two teams. He said there was a lot of chirping going yeah, on. Yeah, sounded like it. On the court, but that, I think that happens in many, many games. And, sure. And we're down there close enough, we can hear some of it, but we don't hear it all. No, no. There's a lot going on. Well, big day for you to to write on the game and watch football, watch basketball. Yeah, watch, we got a lot of stuff to watch today, and we got a lot of writing to do, so it's going to be a busy day. Don't work too hard. I, I need you around <laughs> next week. By the way, uh, Illinois will know their bowl destination tomorrow, and we're starting to look like it's going to be the Red Box Bowl, but we'll have more on that Coming up, thanks to our guest, Johnny Holliday, the Maryland play-by-play announcer, Doug Altenberger, color announcer on the Fighting Illini Sports Network. Also, Dan Dockage joined us. So did Phil Bova. We appreciate the phone calls, and we appreciate you listening on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.